originally I had said to my brother Quig that um, I'd like to take about five minutes just to say thank you um, and give a testimony. Um, and Quig being Quig, he went in and out and then came and said, Ben, you're going to preach? I said, no, I want to just say thank you to the church and to people and to give a testimony. But then he said, I should preach. <laughs> and being an Anglican priest, you don't say no to a bishop easily. <clears throat> but I want, to, I want to do three thanksgivings. Um, and I'd like you to join me in this gratitude. I wish people could see the heart of thanksgiving. I, sometimes I say, I, I, and I said to Quig one day, I said, you shut up. Do you know how grateful I am? He cannot see it. And it's not visible. And unfortunately, English, indeed other languages, the only thing we can say is thank you. I wish we could say many more things. And I want you, please, church, to join me in thanking Miss Annette Lawrence and Gloria, they are wonderful women. Please join me in giving them thanks. Actually, they've looked after us. You know, one of the funniest times was when I came the first time and we had, uh, I, I had my first surgery to be treated for my cancer. And Quig, who had invited me to come, knew that the week following he himself was going into surgery. And he had asked me to come, <laughs> you know. So there were two sick boys, and these two women <laughs> were looking after us. He had a hip replacement, I had this, and every time I come back from hospital, he would say, Ben, did it hurt? And I said, can you stand up? So we were sharing notes like two, like two silly schoolboys, you know. It was fun. But this time... I came and finished preaching everywhere else, and then the usual one here. And then he suggested that we should go and do a checkup because I've not been checked a year and a half. And I went in, and there was I. So I had to rush back. July, come back first week and went into surgery. And Annette and Gloria have looked after us. You know, women are wonderful, honestly. And I think. You know, I, we have learned a lot, you know, in, in the home of, of Bishop Quig. Quig is an amazing pastor. Amazing. Very easy. Great guy. He's looked after me. It's not easy for an African to come to an American house first time eight and a half months. This time around July, August, September, October. And he's not kicked me out. He's not charged me for light, for... for <laughs> for water, <clears throat> for nothing, for food. He wouldn't let me even buy food. Milk, ordinary milk, he wouldn't let me buy. He'd buy it. Amazing. Thank you, Quig. Thank you. And he's thrown me at you in this church as well. Dragged me into all of you all, and I've become a member of your church and of the family. I thank you. But I want to thank my doctors. 
honestly, all of them have become friends. And especially my oncologist, Paul Richards. We, we, every, he's, whenever he sees me, we now don't even talk about my sickness. We talk about God and prayers. I'm looking forward to seeing him on Tuesday. Uh, I hope that will be my last. And um, we, he will always ask me questions. We've become brothers. We talk now, friends. Yeah, I know doctors can be very impersonal. But, <laughs> forgive me doctors, but that's, I, I have a few in my house. <laughs> my, oldest doc, my oldest daughter is a doctor. My third one is a doctor. My younger sister is a doctor. They all, so they can be very... But here, my doctors have been very, very personal. And I thank God for Paul Richards. I thank God very much for Bob Williams. Thank God for Janad Nanzara, for Kevin and Sherry, Eduma Eyes, for Jim Elliott, Greg Smith, Dominic Damper, Marge Ellis. I thank God for the nurses. The nurses are a little bit more kind of easier. They, hey, Ben, how are you? I say, well, you know, and the office staff, they're amazing. They make me want to come back, but the way I want to come back next time is I don't want to come back because I'm sick. I want to come back like a local pastor on the quake. But thirdly, I want you to join me. And please, I would ask you to stand to join me in thanking God and giving him a round of applause. God has done so much for me. God has done so much. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. God has healed me. He has. I believe I'm healed. Please sit. Praise the Lord. Well, this morning's reading is Luke 20 and um, 27 to 29. You have the wrong end of the stick because uh, uh, it's 11 o'clock, so I will take you through lunch. <laughs> but in the few minutes that I have, I want us to walk through this passage carefully because today is also the day of the persecuted Christians. But that particular passage, the chapter as a whole, dealing with, with the scribes challenging Jesus from verse 1 to 6. And, and they're asking him by what authority is he teaching and preaching. And it's normal. I mean, if you're a doctor, you want to know your authority, your certificates, your diplomas. If you're a theological college teacher, want to know your diplomas, want to know your degrees. But Jesus has been not to none of these. And they are wondering, where does he get his authority? How did he know the scripture so much as to change some of the teachings of the scribes and the Pharisees? The one that even jolted them the more is when he says, you have heard it said. And now he says, now I say. So he establishes his own authority over all the teachings of the scribes and Pharisees over the years. So they're asking. And you know what? If you choose to stand on the authority of God's word, 
any day, anywhere, they're going to ask you and challenge your authority. They will tell you, Sigmund Freud said this, the Bible is wrong. They will tell you, this said the other, the Bible is not right. How dare you say the Bible? They're challenging the Bible and those who hold on the Bible. In fact, your children will challenge you. Mommy, why? Daddy, why? But Jesus responds, and I mean, it's good to follow Jesus because you learn the wisdom of God from Jesus. He responds perfectly well. And the scribes and the Pharisees run away. They even challenge him now about paying taxes. Give to Caesar what's Caesar's. Give to God what's God's. Then comes the Sadducees. And the Sadducees are particularly an influential group. And they have inroads within the colonials of the Roman government, uh, their colonial officers. They're very wealthy. They're the skeptics of their time. And they are also very influential in the Sanhedrin, in the ruling class of the Jews. But interestingly, they are always, always at odds with the Pharisees. And the best of the interesting things for me is that they don't believe in resurrection. And they are the ones who bring the question to Jesus about resurrection. And they said, now look, seven brothers, first one married a wife, runs through the leverage system, and at the end of the day, at the resurrection, whose wife is she? Verse 34 through to 38, we learn the following. Number one, Jesus' response to them, he simply says, resurrection is real. Verse 36, Jesus says, no more death in the resurrection. And the last verse, verse 38, Jesus says, God is God of the living. So let me quickly take us through the three things that Jesus affirms in his response about the resurrection. Firstly, Jesus says resurrection is real. And that throws us modern people to a deep thought. And don't, that you've come to church, you've done a very good thing for yourself. I want you to know this because there are people around the world, in the church and outside the church, who do not believe in the resurrection. Well, listen, whether you believe it or not, there will be a resurrection. Jesus said it and it will happen. There will be. And many people don't want resurrection to happen because they don't want accountability. There will be judgment on the day of resurrection. And if you choose now, now, where you are now, it's now this time of choice. If you choose not to believe in Jesus, when you die, you will not go to Jesus. I don't care where you go. I don't even want to know where you go because you've chosen to reject the offer of God. So it's by choice. You choose to reject the offer of God, you will go to where God is not. That's by your choice. Nobody's pushing you there. 
You simply are walking there free of charge, express road. You choose to reject God. That's your choice. Don't blame it on anybody. It's a matter of choice. But if you choose to accept the offer of God, free gift of God, you didn't work for it, you didn't pay it, nothing. You accept Jesus, then when you die, you will go to where Jesus is. That's what he said. And I know of people from my theological school and studies from all over around the world. Some people say, well, no, when you die, you're going to just annihilate. You just cease to exist. It's not true. It won't happen. God gave you life and he's going to account for your life and you're going to account for it. You didn't, you're not here by accident. There are those who say, when you live here and you live very well, when you die, you come back as a monkey or as a cow or something like that. All kinds of religions of the world grappling with the issue of death because death is an enemy. And they don't even like to think about resurrection because death is an enemy. It is. If I had died, many of you would shed tears and pass for a long while. Death is not good. And one of the reasons why I love America is because you don't like pain at all. I mean, Americans are, the, the nurse will say, can, can, I, can I just... You know, she wants to heal me, and she says, please, can I? He's so nice. <laughs> in other places, they just punch you in the head and look at you in the eye because they're doing you some good. <laughs> Jesus says, resurrection is real. Why? Jesus answer. We can refer to John's gospel, chapter 11, and verse 25 to 26. What did Jesus say? He says, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. So the question of the, res of the resurrection that the Sadducees were asking Jesus, just refer to what he says in John 11. I am the resurrection and the life. And he was saying it to Mary. And he says, do you believe this? Folks, do you believe it? Paul, in writing to the Thessalonican church, this is what he says in verse 13. Do not be uninformed about the death and resurrection of Jesus and of us. Don't be uninformed. Don't be confused. The philosophies of this world will never solve the issue of resurrection and death. Only Jesus can. So do not be uninformed. Why? Verse 14, Paul tells the Thessalonican Christians, we believe, we believe that Jesus died. We believe that Jesus rose we believe that Jesus is coming and the dead who die in Christ will rise with him. And those who are alive will rise and be with him and be with him forever. We believe. What you believe determines how you live. Folks, this guy came to my house and I said to Gloria, I think it's all over. Because I always have written things in my journal. It's a special journal. The first time death came face to face with me was in 1987 as a young priest. They burnt my church, burnt my house, looked for me to kill. Fortunately, fortunately, 
the commandant of the military school at that time was my teacher. I went to a military school. He was the commandant this time. He, they must have soldiers and rescued me. Gloria had traveled that day, and they rescued me. I would have been dead in 1987. They burnt down my church and burnt down my house. When I got out of that, I made a coffin, a glass coffin. It's a mock coffin. And I wrote on it, 12th March, 1987. Ben Kwashi is dead. Any day I live since then, I've been living on extra time. They came to the house. This time I'm now bishop. And Gloria was there. They had come previously. And they knew I was coming back. I didn't come back that day from UK. So they came to the house to kill me. They didn't find me. Gloria paid the price. She ended up being blinded, broken legs, ribs, and everywhere. She was taken to San Antonio where she was treated, and she recovered. Year following, they came. This time I was home. So I said to Gloria, read that book. Everything you want to know is there. My bank accounts, my everything, it's all there for you. I'm gone. She said, no. They came in right to the bedroom, picked me, took me out into my compound, and the killer was there. Shaking with his guns and the others with their knives. And somebody screamed there. I think their leader said, no, let's kill him in his bedroom. So I said, fine. We got to my bedroom. I said, would you give me an opportunity to pray? They said, yes, with guns on me. I knelt down. I opened my Bible. I prostrated before the Lord because I said, well, it would be easier for them to kill me while I was prostrating. And closed my eyes. A few minutes later, I felt cold hands hold me. And I tried to open my eyes. It was Gloria. I said, Gloria, what's it? She said, keep praying, Ben. A few minutes later, again, I heard steps. I said, it has happened. And I opened my eyes. It was my son. I said, Rinji, what are you doing here? He said, Daddy, they ran away. What chased them away? What they saw or didn't see? Only eternity will reveal. These things are real. A classmate of mine, a close friend to Gloria, Iasco. In his church, they burnt him alive. We went to check later on after that and we found he was lying flat with his Bible on his chest. The Bible didn't burn. We gave it to his widow. We live with this every day. Why? Because we believe that Jesus died. We believe that Jesus rose. We believe that Jesus is coming and that is how we live. We don't live like people who have a home here. We have a temporary place. But we don't have everything here. No matter how beautiful this world is, listen carefully. It's human architecture. The place we are going, Jesus is the architect. He is the builder. If human beings can build so beautiful New York, imagine what Jesus will build in heaven. I want to get there, friends. Do you believe this? Secondly, no more death. No more death, Jesus said to the Sadducees. Because Jesus' death on the cross was the evidence that death is truly 
an unfriendly experience to anyone. But Jesus actually died on the cross to take away our sins and the sins of the whole world. Jesus' death was a public crucifixion. It was not a hidden thing. The journalists were there. Spectators were there. Everyone was there. Women were there. They saw this death. They wept. They cried. The doctors were there to confirm Jesus dead. And Joseph of Arimathea literally took the dead body into the grave. So Jesus literally, actually did die. But on the third day, Jesus rose. The gate of the tomb gave way as he stepped forward. Until date, that day of that, that death lost its power. Not only over Jesus, because Jesus conquered death, conquered Satan, conquered hell, and kept the door open for all who will believe to be set free. Death is defeated forever. So I don't fear those people who say, I'm going to kill you. I'm actually looking for one who will kill me quick so that all the deaths and all the politicians and all the you know, so that I go to be with the Lord. The suffering is too much. I mean, I wouldn't commit suicide. Never. Oh, I love my life. But you threaten me with death. You're wasting your time. How many times? They've threatened me many times. People have said I should move away from my house. Uh, you know, we should change. I said, what for? Let death come. I'll go to be with Jesus. Friends, do you believe this? But thirdly, Jesus responded to the Sadducees. And what did he say? He said, God is a God of the living, not of the dead. He's a God of the living. Please stop getting angry for nothing. Enjoy this life. He's the God of the living. When you know God, you will live. You will live a happy life. It's not to say that Gloria and I don't have, um, you know, differences and all of those things. How many people are married here? Okay. So you, you know what I'm talking about. No, but it, it, it's got to the point that now we even laugh at ourselves. Yesterday we were having some serious disagreements and I had to be, you know, when you are a man, you must be a little bit more clever. So I said, to, I said aren't you sympathetic that I'm sick? <laughs> she said, you're not sick. The way you're talking, you're, I said, excuse me, I'm going to tell quick. She said, go and tell quick. I said, okay, I won't tell quick. You sit down. I sat down. You know, we... And, and I said to her, finally I said to her, I said, you know that the angels in heaven, really, when they see us quarreling, they don't care. Because they say, oh, Ben and Gloria, they will soon settle, no problem. So angels don't have any job between Gloria and me. But there are some, when they start, one angel will say, Angel Gabriel, please, call Raphael. Let him go quickly before they kill each other. Because <laughs> this house is on fire. <laughs> it's on fire. Now, but when you know God, those things, erratic, those rough edges. He will smooth them. They, they become a joyful living. There's a time my daughter came from the university and came and said, said why, what are you doing at home? She said, I just came to be entertained. I said, why? To see you people quarrel. I said, look at this silly girl. So our quarrel makes you happy? She said, no, no, it's an entertainment because I know you all will settle again and you drive out and go and have a meal. Can you imagine? <laughs> 
when you know God, you live. Nothing is too big in this life for you to take your life because you're angry. Or to turn your back on your family because you're angry. When you know God, you live. And you live joyfully. You live happily. You live the full life. John 10, 10 says, I have come that you may have life and have it abundantly. Jesus conquered death so that you may live. Do you believe? Finally, God is God of the living because this is the heart of the gospel. He has conquered death. And so we have hope to live every day, no matter how bad today is. When you wake up the next day, you have hope because Jesus has conquered death. Those suffering from persecution, they don't lose hope because Jesus is alive. Those going through calamities, struggles with health, with marriage, or even children, we have hope one day Jesus will answer our prayers. We don't give up. We don't give in. No matter the conditions of life, natural and unnatural horrors call up, come upon us. But we no longer allow death to have the final say. Why? No, no, no. Jesus is alive. We believe in God. We believe in Jesus Christ. We believe in the Holy Spirit. We believe Jesus is coming back. We believe the resurrection of life. We believe the gospel of God. And the gospel is according to scriptures. Paul says, for I give you what I receive as of first importance. That Jesus died according to the scriptures. But that he was raised according to the scriptures. And he said, this Jesus is coming again. We need to search the scriptures, friends. Please put your head and eyes in the scriptures. The world has many things to take away our hearts and minds. Could you return your mind back to scriptures? Because it matters for you to live and to live a godly life. The gospel is about the resurrection and eternal life of God. God is not a, is not a God of the dead, but of the living. Let me end. Jesus has demystified death. Jesus has defeated death, conquered it. Jesus is the life giver. All powers of hell, Satan, sin, death, no longer have capacity to operate or hold on us any longer. Believers in Jesus. Yes, they may hurt us, but they don't have the final say. Jesus will always have the final say. He will deliver. He will save. He will keep. Now, and he will keep in eternity. Do you believe? Stand firm in the gospel, my friends. Stand firm in the gospel according to scriptures. We have evidence. It's called Bible. Stand firm in the living gospel. Preach the gospel. Live the gospel. Jesus is coming soon. Let us pray.